Welcome back to the Ultimate Lifestyle Podcast. I'm Coach Liz here, and today I'm going solo because, um, I don't know, we had some scheduling issues with the podcast this week, and we were going to do a Q&A episode. I honestly, most of the questions that I got were in regards to the challenge and enrollment is over. So um, I don't really need to go over those questions, but kind of going to go over some of the questions we got pertaining to the challenge that also are frequently asked questionings anyways. Um, so the first question I got, and I get this a lot when we send out new programming, is what's a warm-up set versus a top set? So a warm-up set is what it sounds like. It's a warm-up to your top set. So your top set is your working set. It's the heaviest weight you're going to use. And typically you'll be somewhere between like seven to 10 RPE, which means like the level of exertion that you're expending. So if your top set's a 10 RPE, that means you're going to failure, um, zero RIR. So zero reps in reserve. So I'm going to use a hip thrust as an example. If my top set's going to be 230 pounds, then my first warm up set might be like 150 pounds. And then my second warm up set might be around 200 pounds. So I'm slowly increasing the weight into my top set. This is a good time to evaluate form and see if your setup is right. If something doesn't feel right, that's your time to adjust it before you put more weight onto it. And you just also don't want to just jump right into your heaviest set. Um, the other thing to explain here is that you don't want to do more than one top set when you're going to failure. Like if you truly go to failure, you won't be able to do another set after that. So this is like a new idea for a lot of people or something they're not used to. They're not used to pushing themselves to the true point of failure. So they're like, oh, I could do another set. If you can do another set, that means you didn't push yourself hard enough in your top set. So that is what a warm-up set versus a top set is. So again, usually you'll do one or two warm-up sets and then one top set. Now there might be something on your program that is an intensifier, which like would be a drop set or a rest pause set. And those things are part of the top set. So if you have a rest pause set, your top set will be do as many reps as you can, rest for 10 seconds, do as many reps as you can, rest for 10 seconds, do as many reps as you can. There's a couple of reasons you might want to do this. One is just getting out more reps into your top set. Another is if someone is not used to going to failure, it can kind of push them to failure. So they might think they're done, give them 10 seconds and they can keep going and do more. So that would be a rest pause set. A drop set would be where you do as many reps as you can, and then you lower the weight, do as many reps as you can again, lower the weight one more time, do as many reps as you can. Someone did ask if I'm eating below maintenance calories and then my coach finds my maintenance calories, will I put on weight? So this is one of those, it depends questions. A lot of questions like this are situational. So how long have you been eating in a deficit? Um, what extreme, like how extreme was the deficit? Is it just a slight deficit or were you eating very low calorie, really high cardio? Um, it all depends on that. So if someone came to me and they were in a dieting phase and they wanted me to help them get to maintenance, I would reverse them. So I would slowly add food. I always figure out what their current intake is, their current cardio level. And I would 
walk that up to maintenance. So each week we would add a little bit more calories, remove a little bit of cardio and watch how the body responds. And as long as we're responding well, we slowly just keep adding until we get to that maintenance level and how we know we're at maintenance is you don't, the scale doesn't move anymore. So, um, now generally I'd say you can't expect to gain a couple of pounds back after your dieting phase, usually like I would say at least 30% of the weight you lost, you'll probably gain back. And I know that's frustrating for people. And then we talked about this in the like recomp episode a little bit too, but you always are going to experience a little bit of weak weight regain. And I know that's disappointing because you're like, I just put all this effort into losing weight and now I'm going to gain some back, but you should always kind of plan that into your whole expectations, I guess I would say. So if you're wanting to lose 30 pounds, you might gain 10 back after you go back up to your maintenance calories because you're no longer in a deficit. So it is expected to gain a little bit of weight. Now I will say it depends on where your body fat set point is or your body weight set point. And it just depends on the individual. Like I have some people, I'll put them through a six month dieting phase and then I work their calories back up and they actually maintain the weight loss that we left off at. Like, you know, they dropped 30 pounds and we keep that weight off. So it really just depends on what they, where they started, how long they were in a diet, how responsive their body is how many times they've dieted, all of those things contribute to the answer to that. So it's not just a black and white answer. Um, but just to mentally prepare yourself, I would say anticipate at least gaining a couple pounds back. And the scale isn't the only thing that matters. Some things that we're looking at, especially if you were dieting for a long time, are, are you, you know, your sex hormone, like those functions getting back to normal? Like, do you have a libido? Are you full of energy? Are you sleeping well? Like quality of life, those things should improve as we get to maintenance calories. Um, and we're looking at measurements too. So the scale might go up, but if your waist is staying relatively lean and we just see like the glutes are growing, your legs are growing, your shoulders are growing, you know, that's some muscle too. So don't worry about the scale so much. And I always just say this in general, my job is to worry about the scale. Your job is to just do your program, write down the numbers and forget about them. Let it go. Once you write the number down on your check-in sheet, let it go for the day. Next person asks, can you recomp your body without eating in a deficit? Um, this is again, just going to be a little bit of, it depends if you're a brand new to the gym, you've never trained before. Um, this definitely can happen. You can eat basically at maintenance and lose body fat and gain muscle. Um, but the more advanced you are, the less and less this is possible. Um, you know, your training age does really matter when it comes to this situation. So theoretically, yes, you can recomp. And I do have a lot of athletes who do this, like their weight will just stay the same, but their body looks so different. So this is where I really try to get people away from looking at the scale so much and just look at your pictures, look at how your clothes are fitting, look at the measurements. Like I said, um, we're going to try to keep you like relatively lean while growing the areas that you want to grow. I mentioned this in a past episode, but I have a post somewhere on my Instagram and it shows like my body composition probably 10, eight, 10 years ago, something like that. 
and my body composition now at the same weight and they look totally different. So when I use that example, I'm just trying to show you, like, it doesn't matter what you weigh. It matters what your body composition is like. And the more muscle you put on the different, the weight is going to be distributed differently. Another question is why do we recommend the supplement brands that we recommend? And our recommendations are always based on quality. So the companies we recommend, we are third-party tested. They do a lot of research into what ingredients go into their products and what amount of those ingredients go into their products. And sometimes in some of the instances, we know the owners, things like that. We know that we're giving money to good people, that type of thing. So, um, you know, sometimes certain brands are going to be more costly. So if money is an issue, you can always ask your coach, Hey, this supplement is pretty expensive. Do you have a substitute now? What I will say in general, if you're looking at like vitamins, things like that, looking for the USP verified label on a supplement will tell you if it has been tested to show the amount of ingredients are what they say they are. So the supplement reg industry is not regulated very well. So people can just basically put whatever they want in those bottles. So if you see the USP verified label, that means that the amount that's shown on the label, it's been verified that that amount is indeed what is in the bottle. Um, now, as far as the ones that we recommend from the online sources, the third party testing is like the same type of thing. They're saying, we sent this out to another lab, a third party lab that's unaffiliated so that they could test and show that we do have the right amounts and the right ingredients in our products. Next question is, what's the difference between lifestyle coaching and comprehensive coaching? So lifestyle coaching is nutrition only, nutrition and cardio recommendations. So if you're doing your own training program and just want nutrition recommendations, that would be the option for you. Now, for most cases, I recommend comprehensive coaching. Comprehensive coaching includes nutrition, cardio recommendations, training, and if you have blood work to review, that is included as well. Um, you can send us your blood work results and we'll review that. And that's just giving it a second eye and also making sure that we are addressing any nutritional deficiencies in your programming through supplementation or through the diet. And then of course, if it is like something medical, we always will ask that you speak to your doctor about it, but you know, your doctor, your therapist, your coaches, like it should all be like a team of providers that are aiming to get you in the best health possible. So that's the difference between lifestyle and comprehensive. Again, for most people, I will recommend the comprehensive, um, which is going to lead into like not frequently asked question, but frequently asked topic. And that is, um, you know, someone will come to me and they're like, I'm doing orange theory or I'm doing whatever class. Um, can you just do my nutrition? And while I can do that, it's always going to result in better progress. If I'm in control of both your training and your nutrition programming, that's just what I've seen from 10 years of experience is that, um, when the coach can base your nutrition around your programming because they're writing both of them, it usually yields the best results. And also these classes, 
typically aren't really based around progressive overload. And I say this because like I worked at one of those types of gyms before that just did classes like that. Um, and yes, you're getting in some cardio and yes, you're getting in some weight training, but they're not like keeping track of the weight you lifted and saying, okay, let's aim to do better next week. And a lot of times they're not even paying that great attention to your form because there's so many people in the class. So they might walk around and like adjust here and there, but they're not like fully paying attention to the form of what you're doing. And it seems that most of those exercises are pretty lightweight. You're not lifting super heavy. So what most people expect from those classes is to like get toned and stuff like that. And what they don't realize is that to get toned, you need to actually lift heavier weights. And that's usually not what you're getting out of those type of classes. So usually you end up a little bit disappointed in the total body composition changes. A lot of people will lose weight using those classes again, because it's highly cardio based, but you're not getting the most bang for your buck when it comes to strength training. With that being said, this is a lifestyle coaching company and we want to make it a sustainable lifestyle for you. And some people freaking love those classes. And if going to one of those classes is, a, is what is going to keep you accountable to getting into the gym or doing some type of, type of activity, I'm cool with that. Again, you know, we have to figure out what is going to work for you and what you can see yourself doing long-term. So if you like, if that's a non-negotiable for you, I really want to do these classes every week. I'm not going to say you can't do them. I will only say that it might not yield the exact results that you want. So as long as you understand that, that is totally up to you. Another recent question we had was what irritates you like in regards to athletes that we coach. And I will say for me, it's just, um, respecting my time. So the only thing that really irritates me is when people constantly check in late and I have multiple conversations with them about it and they just continue to check in late. It just shows that they don't respect my time or their teammates times because I create my check-in schedule in a very organized manner. So everyone is spread out across the week so that I don't have a million check-ins on one day. Um, it's by a specific time so I can get back to people in a timely manner. So it just kind of grinds my gears when people are like, oh, I have no regard for what time you told me to check in by. I'm just going to show up whenever. Um, and so that's <laughs> my pet peeve there. Um, what else? I also had someone ask if there was ever, or do I have clients that I don't like? Um, I mean, in the course of my career, there have been people that I will say, I just like don't vibe with or jive with, you know? Um, but for the most part, like I always do a consult with people before they sign up with me. So I kind of get a feel over the phone for, or even over a video call of, is this person going to be a good fit for me? So sometimes right off the bat, you can just tell someone's personality, like might not be the best match or based on what their goals are or things like that. Um, sometimes I'll just be like, Hey, I think you'd be a better fit for Tom or Haley, something like that. Um, but no, there's no one I don't like I will say there's definitely people who I build a little bit of a stronger relationship with just because they've been on my roster. I have people who've been training with me for 
three, five years. Um, and of course, like I've been training them or coaching them for so long, you know, I know them really well and we share jokes and, you know, know a lot about each other and things like that. So of course there's going to be like some relationships that naturally just grow a little bit more than others, but, um, I choose and select people who are going to be on my coaching roster very selectively because I want to help them. And if someone isn't necessarily, I want to say fulfilling their potential, um, there's a lot of people who will sign up and I know they're very capable of doing what they set out to do and achieving their goals, but I just see them getting in their own way. Um, so sometimes as a coach, that's a little bit frustrating watching someone just like constantly getting in their own way and not reaching their goals because of that. So that's not nothing to do with me not liking them at all. It's just like more of a disappointing thing when I see them just like week after week, we're having like very similar conversations of like, what can we change? What can we do differently? And, you know, it's just like going in circles type of thing. So sometimes that happens. Sometimes someone will think they're ready to change. And then it turns out that they're not. Um, the stages of change is like a very important thing. And that's why in the beginning, it's important to kind of evaluate, like, how ready are you to change? Are you, how committed are you to this process? Um, and again, I think sometimes people just maybe they thought it was going to be easier. I'm never going to promise that it's going to be easy to learn to live a healthy lifestyle. Like once you learn everything, it is relatively easy. I think once you change your lifestyle, but that does involve making uncomfortable changes sometimes. So it really depends too, like what your current lifestyle is. Like, are you constantly going out to eat and drinking and, um, you just doing unhealthy habits, things like that what type of people are you hanging out with? If you're going to have to change like all these little things that are maybe pulling you in the opposite direction of where you want to be, then that can be very difficult to face those things that you need to change. So that's just something to keep in mind when you're heading into your fitness journey is like, am I ready to face the things that have been get, like getting in my way as far as living a healthy lifestyle? Are you ready to take those things on head on? And honestly, that is where I'm going to end this episode. Like I said, just a solo kind of rapid Q&A slash FAQ. So hopefully you found some good tidbits in there. And then next week, we're going to have some guests on. So I'm excited for that one. And we will catch you in that episode. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review if you're listening on Apple or a star rating on Spotify. And we appreciate that feedback. By the way, we also just uploaded a ton, a ton of tutorials to our YouTube channel. So make sure you're subscribed. We are everybody coaching on YouTube. So check us out. We got plenty of videos for you to check out on there. And if you have anything specific that you want to see from us on there, like different types of videos or whatnot, please reach out and let us know. We are always open to suggestions. All right. Catch you next week.